0: Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I will be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by my coaching friend Alistair Lonsdale. Alistair is the director of COVA Coaching in Connecticut, USA. I first met Ali back in 2006 when I first started coaching for Noga Soccer in the Connecticut area. Ali is a certified COVA methodology trainer, as well as holding an NSCAA Premier Diploma. In today's episode, we talk about how Ali got involved with the COVA coaching team and learn a little more about their training methods and his role with the organisation in the state of Connecticut. Hi, Ali. Thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad, Paul. Uh, How about yourself?
0: I'm doing really good, thank you. So first, if you could... Give us a, an intro of how you first got into coaching.
1: Uh, well, first, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, going going back, probably. You know, I've been coaching for about twenty three years now. So I started started when I was eighteen. Uh, I Shouldn't tell you that now. You know my age, uh, <laughs> but back then it was. You know, I used to coach a a, a sports center, and I really enjoyed it. And then. You know, this young guy I knew worked over in uh, America for a company called Noga and uh, he told me, you know, he, he said, you know, you should go over and do it. You know, and to be honest, I was going through, I was trying to get into England school boys team. I went through like two years of trials. I ended up getting injured at the last 60 and I uh, was in a space where I was just playing semi-professional and I was playing for Weymouth, Dorchester uh, Reserves at that. I was playing in the Wessex League after that for, the, you know, the lower teams, really. Brock and swanage at that point, uh, you know, and it kind of came to me that I was just going to be stuck in the same position. I always wanted to be a professional footballer, but <clears throat> it just wasn't going to happen. So I uh, decided to focus my areas on on coaching and the guy who actually was I remember doing it at the, when I was going for the uh, England school boys stuff. That uh, guy, Steve Highway, obviously from Liverpool, was there. And he said to everyone, if you don't make it as a player here, you know, perhaps you should turn your your eyes on coach. And so that's why I kind of really took it to heart after that and started trying to get better and I ended up coming over here through Hugh Evans, it was, uh, put me in touch with the Noga guys. And, you know, I'll be honest, the first three months, I really didn't like it very much, I found it difficult. Uh, and then after that, I never looked back. And I came back and I worked for... Uh, for them for 10 years and that's really where my coaching education began so you know, i really uh, enjoyed it that's really the the story of how i i got into coaching it was a kind of i just i wanted to do it and i fell into it and then suddenly you know as a 23 year old it's you're very young doing that stuff and as you get start to get older and older and more experienced in it you start getting good at it or better at it it's so good but uh, and then you know you kind of hooks you and so you yeah. know that was the reason behind it all really
0: so what year was your first year then with Noga
1: first year with Noga was the year 2000
0: and then with did you receive any was all like the staff training done here in the
1: yeah the staff training was was unreal back there it was you know Tim took well predominantly there was a there was a lot of people that took it Tim took Tim Bradbury took staff training Carry book took staff training, and then there was a, a great group of full-time staff that was was here as well. Lee Garwood, uh, <clears throat> Paul Baber, those guys. It was Graham Stafford. You know, there's a a ton of real quality coaches. They're actually you know good coaches now uh, that used to take the training as well when when we were there. You know, Wayne Fortino was there as well. There was. Just a ton, of, a ton of good coaches. And it was uh, a okay, case so we used to have like six weeks worth of staff training. And it was, it was just really top quality stuff. And back then, you know, the stuff that we were being taught was light years above what everyone else was learning. You know, we, we really were, were taught a totally different way of coaching youth. Soccer, no lines, no lectures. Everyone's got a ball and maximum touches per practice. Uh, all those types of things, you know, types of motivating players and looking in the sun instead of kids looking in the sun. Like, all these little things to make a section run well. We were, you know, really lucky. And it wasn't, you know, Noga was, was big enough, but they really spent a lot of time on on their staff training. It was tough. It was hard. Tim could be tough at times, but he's also funny, and it's, he does an amazing job of training youth coaches. And I think, you know, and then you had a balance of 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 Bookie, uh, who was, you know, a very different type of coach, very, you know, uh, mental type of coach. He was not going to, he's not going to be so tough on you, but he's going to draw as much out of you as possible with, you know, without, without having to say too much. He just has an aura about himself, which, you know, demands respect. So, yeah, we, we came out we had, we used to get like 10 weeks like to start with. I still remember getting up at 5 a.m. driving in a van to Long Island, 10 other guys they're all asleep at the back uh getting to long Island and then we would uh, just go out and we would play for you know three three hours a day and then you would get another set of staff training when all the summer staff came out and that would normally be down at Adelphi and it you know I was, I was lucky enough to get you know a good 10 years of that from those guys
0: well it's funny we are saying that because we were just talking briefly off air about how um that noga mentality and you just touched on it there like Obviously, no one no one enjoys waking up at, at five a.m. and and driving, you know, ten sleeping coaches in the bus. But even if you'd been been out the night before, or God knows what you're up to, but everyone got on that bus. Everybody went. Everybody put in a shift in staff training. Kind of like set everyone up, really. Um, you know, to be to be successful. And that's probably one of the reasons why so many former Noga coaches are, you know, still coaching today in the, in the tri-state area. I think, like you said, down to the training of, of Gary and Tim, you mentioned, you know, a couple of those names that you'd mentioned were a little bit before my time, but, but even like Wayne, I know you mentioned Wayne, like people like that. And, um, Really, really good characters, good coaches, and just like said, different personalities really helped you become like an all rounder for coaching. So, if you came from playing, basically, men's like amateur semi semi professional football in England, to then come into this like youth training world where it was definitely ahead of its time. With the um say so we would all the shadow play of playing out the back the uh teaching players to take players on one v one was yeah. did that like noga philosophy was it similar to your style of play as a as a footballer Because well, yeah. i from my experience from you, you were like that um i I don't know how I could put this you like that, like um, hard-nosed, like seasoned throw. Like, every, every club, every club has one. You know, I, I knew you were you're very like good on the ball, but um, you like a tackle. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so how? Yeah, basically, how you know coming from adult football to to this US setup was it a tough transition?
1: I don't know. I found it. Uh, yeah. When I first came here and it was like, you know, emphasis on kids juggling and stuff like that, you know, and all the stuff, a lot of stuff that we didn't do as players in England, but I soon bought into it. Cause I felt like, you know what I want? I want kids to be better at things that I'm <clears throat> not as good at. You know, I was, I could tackle, I could run quick. I win the. Uh, I could do all that defensive side of things and, and do the simple thing really, really well. But, uh, in terms of, you know, pulling off like you know, crazy moves that the kids have over here now, you know, different step overs and things, which you kind of taught yourself really in England. You would watch TV and you would watch <clears throat> Peter Beardsley would do something and be like, oh, that's the Beardsley shuffle. Or you would see, you know, Cruyff does a Cruyff turn. All those, all those things, well, Gazza did something in the final. And it's like, oh, did you see what Gazza did? And you would go and practice that on your own. Whereas it was nice to come in and see there was actually a structure to the structure of it all. You know, and then it was just very, it was very different. And it was, it was, uh, I bought in quite quick though. I definitely saw that it was good and I really liked what I saw. And so then I was like, you know what? I want to make kids better at the things that I'm not as good at. You know, I I want kids to be tough. I want kids to be hard in tackles play well, do the simple thing. Well, be very well organized, but I want them to be creative, you know, and I want them to be able to do those things that, you know, us English players, (coughs) couldn't do back then you know to, to practice if someone does a double scissors or something he would get hammered you know the next minute if if you did a scissor or nutmeg me or one of the other guys you know you're just going to get kicked the next time you get the ball so it's kind of yeah, yeah and because in england that was that was why england was getting worse and worse and worse because they weren't concentrating on these things so that's why i'm saying it's so much this curriculum was so far ahead of its time uh, over here at that point so yeah I bought into it really fast
0: you know. yeah because when I I my first year with Noga was was 2006 so you were like I suppose then you'd done it for for six years so you were well established it was really you um Dave Flower Scott McBride at the time it was uh Simon Noakes was there but he was he was more like behind the the scenes things like as far as being on the field um yeah you were definitely like one of the uh one of the more senior members of, of staff that definitely like picked up ideas from even i can remember having doing sessions with you in maybe somewhere like whether it was stanford or Derien or new cane and somewhere like that definitely remember um you know, doing, and then obviously the, the staff training as well. So from, so really you'd mentioned that you touched on the, on the juggling and the touches and the moves that you'd learn is that's when, because I know from Noga, you'd already had a, you'd already done cover coaching before. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I went, I started at Noga in 2000. I left at 2003 and I worked for Curva for a couple of years. Uh, and then I ended up coming back to Noga <clears throat> uh, and working until 2010. And then, you know, from <clears throat> that point on, uh, you know, things, uh, changed. So I left, you know, once I left Noga in 2010, I just went on my own and, you know, I worked at a private school, Greenwich Academy, uh, and coached the high school there and really have really thoroughly enjoyed my time there with, with those kids. And it's just a lot of fun and, <clears throat> you know, really enjoyable to to learn how to deal, deal with more of the mental side of the game of teenagers, you know, and what makes them tick and how to, you know, make an athlete successful. You might not be an all-round soccer player all year. You know, I was there and then in, <clears throat> and then in Greenwich, um, and I kind of started my own company up at that point. It was called Total Technique Soccer. And it was really doing a lot of stuff that I'd learned, you know, and, and it was, you know, we were really doing a lot of similar stuff to Curver, and you know it what happens is <clears throat> for some reason you know things happen for a reason about four or five years was it was four years yeah four years ago I uh, bumped into the old the guy who used to run Curver. I was actually having a pint and his name was Dave Johnson <clears throat> and Dave uh Dave you know just said to me at that point he said you know what are you doing Ali and he said why don't you uh run Curver Connecticut and I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, you know, I don't run it anymore. Uh he goes, I can make a call for you. And so anyway, we ended up meeting every week for six weeks. And uh Dave called Charlie Cook and uh you know and Chaz and John and and set it all up. And you know, I ended up taking on uh curva coaching for Connecticut and uh you know it's very sad after that. Uh Dave, you know, Dave passed away. So it was kind of meant that it was just funny how we we meant to to be there and you know and it all happened so <clears throat> i know dave all he wanted for me for to be uh, to to run curva because that's what was his you know he loved that that was who i worked for back in the day so yeah. i ended up uh, taking it on again and you know obviously i there's a load of things that we used to do when you know at noga which was very much curva stuff you know yeah. so it was very it's very easy to to fall in you know, the, the Curva methodology has been around for, you know, what are be now, 36 years. It's been running, you know, it really is like great, great stuff. i I so into it and, you know, I, <clears throat> we're very lucky. You know, the company is very supportive. They're very uh, much at the forefront of everything. You know, and Alpha is constantly uh, building new curriculums for older ages as well now. You know, predominantly our curriculum is based for seven through 15-year-olds, You know, but now we're starting to get an older curriculum in place, but, you know, it's as uh, Wenger would say, you know, if you if kids aren't skillful, don't have a first touch by the age of 14, it's not going to happen. You know, so it's a case of uh, doing things the right way, you know, and the the curriculum, it's very much based around, you know, it's a ball based system It's based around the. uh, Based around a a pyramid of development, so, you know, the first parts ball mastery. You know, the the second part is uh, receiving and passing. Then it's 1v1 attack, defense, speed, finishing, and then, you know, group play. It's very much a system which isn't based on any tactics. It's not based on, you know, teaching kids these boring things, which we're trying to teach kids to be very, very creative and attacking minded, but predominantly very good in 1v1 uh, attack and defending, very good in small group. Uh, situations you know it's a it's a case of you know with the pyramid we don't move up until we get successful at whatever start what level we're at so ball mastery you know, is the founder of all of everything so and again we used to do a lot of that stuff back in the day but you know this this has been going for, 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 a, for a very long period of time uh in terms of the ball mastery stuff you know there's now you know my eyes have been open to it there's you know we have over 99 different ball mastery exercises uh, that we can use. And we have a moves library, which is over 55. You know, and in terms of that moves, you know, we break the moves down into, you know, fakes and feints to go past players, change of directions, stops and starts, you know. And it was a case of back in the day when it first started, you know, when, uh, you know, when Will was there, it was a case of him trying to, you know, them trying to emulate, the great players in the game and trying to trying to use, you, you know, utilize those things they were good at. Cause you know, again, back in the day, it was all about kicking people and how fast you run. There wasn't really any, you know, creativity as such, but certain players did. So Stanley Matthews, the Stanley Matthews moves, you know, the Cruyff turn, all those things are great moves. And it was a case of, well, hang on a minute. Can we just, can they steal them from the best players and then put them into a curriculum? and teach that as a curriculum to kids and make soccer exciting you know so you know that's the kind of uh base behind it all uh kind of tough to try and you know let people to understand about it over here because they don't think they really understand the, how how long the, the system's been in place right. but yeah no i it's been great for me you know coming into it i was you know i, I was on a i was on a zoom call with the curva guys, and uh, we were on with Gerard Houllier last week, a few a couple of months ago, you know, and then we were talking about how the the curva system had changed the French system. You know, when they won the world cup, the European Championships, they brought Alphen, he redid their curriculum for them. So, the Thierry Henrys and all those players that came through at Arsenal all went through that system when it got put in place, yeah, in France. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's very much bigger than. You know i really didn't comprehend how much of a professional organization this is uh until now being part of it now it's just like brilliant you know we all went to the convention in uh, down in in l.a a year ago and gerard julio was there again you know with us there and it was it's very much interesting if you look at the endorsements and again you know i happily i i actually ended up coaching christine lilly's niece and christine's a huge curve advocate you know and it's just like you don't realize until you start to get into it how how much curve has had an influence in in world football
0: well I'm so sure, i'm sure then you mentioned you mentioned those names and you know if it opens you up to opportunities to to meet these people or work with these people it um you know it only really strengthens you as a coach and and strengthens the program but if so it's for those that don't really know, it's is is cover sorry, it's um, is it supplementary training to say a team or do you have your own teams? How how does it work if you're, say, uh, you know, a 12 year old
1: So looking you know, to get well, better? So at the moment, we're lucky enough that we we run the OGRCC Girls Thunder program, uh, in Greenwich. And uh, so we coach their teams. We do the team training. So all the teams go being taught through the Curva methodology. Uh, in that, we also run camps, clinics, and futsal uh, clinics off season for kids who are in other clubs, in another you know organisations that then come in and do extra training with us. And it's you know it's our role. <clears throat> you know that's why they come to us is because it's so technically orientated so it's a case of making kids it really does work you know i've seen it time and time again now you know over the years i've been i don't know four years now with them now but obviously i was back in 2003 and i used to use a lot of the stuff uh, you know even back in the day so i've seen it work time and time again you know with 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 the kids so yeah that's what we're we're predominantly around here is camps clinics uh Winter futsal, we do futsal teams in the winter, and then, you know, we coach the town as well. Like I say,
0: because I, I know in that, that area of Southern Connecticut and Southern Westchester, that those camps can get get really big. I saw your pictures on a, on Facebook and Instagram from the from the camps that you did in the summer. You seem to have like a, a lot of kids when when a lot of programs have been struggling and a lot of camp numbers have been, been going down, your numbers seem to be, you know, really healthy, a lot, healthy, strong numbers, and a lot of kids on camp. Is that to do with, um, is that thing to do with the area or just because, or you think it's just because it's a lot different than a lot of the other training out there?
1: I think it's, one, it's people know what they're getting out of it. It was good training. But we also were in, we were in a very much safe environment. We were at Greenwich Academy and, you know, no parents were allowed and there were strict protocols put in place for the kids if they were going to come on camp. So we tried to adhere to that <clears throat> as best we can. You know, we had zero cases of, of COVID during that time. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the kids, it was they were repeat kids. You know, a lot of the kids came for the first couple and then suddenly just signed up for the rest of the camps. And as we went on during through, uh, August, the camps all filled, which was, which was great to see that support from our players. But, you know, I think the, the good players, especially know, like they know it makes them better. And so I think they, and, you know, we, a lot of my kids from CFC, cause I, you know, obviously coach at CFC as well. I coach in their ECNL uh, part section. Uh, a lot of those girls, uh, trained with us, you know, all summer, and they ended up going to the PDA tournament at the beginning of the season and winning the PDA tournament. They've come out flying into the season. You know, they've been playing so well, and that's just down to the extra training that they did uh, during the difficult time.
0: Well, that's good then. You're seeing that with your CFC, then you're coaching ECNL, so they know that if they can do your cover programs, that there is. There is, like, a pathway and there's uh, examples of su- success from players and then playing at, like, the top youth level. Because you, if you think about it, when you were going back to, to like, playing in England, you would, you'd probably think, oh, most parents, you know, back home when we lived back in England, it was like, well, this this kind of training would just be good for the pacey winger. They stood <laughs> yeah. sort on of- this would only be good for your Ryan Giggs. This would only be good for your Chris Waddle kind of type of type of players. But um you know, I suppose um, I always knew you was really more like a as a center back or like a defensive mid midfielder. But um so I think you're a good example then of the the all positions now, not just those um old fashioned four four two wide wingers it's it's all positions now even you know um and i guess you're seeing the big emphasis as well with uh, teams wanting center backs that can uh, play into midfield and full backs like <clears throat> full backs that can overlap and, and move forward kind of like you said um similar to like what we were taught with Noga
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So much attacking style of play, and you know the modern games, the full the fullbacks are now really wingers. You know they don't the emphasis isn't on being a great defender first. But back in the day, you know a, a fullback. If you look at the best fullbacks that you know you've had, a, like a Liverpool fullback, Rob Jones was probably the first one who was like an attacking fullback, but he was very good defensively. Gary Neville was decent defensively. Uh, Ashley Cole, decent, decent defensively. You know, nowadays, they don't seem to, you, you know, like uh, Arnold is now like so much going forward, but no one really goes at him defensively, you know, because they're on the front foot all the time. And that's how teams are, you know, but then talking about midfielders, the the holding midfielders needs to be so in shape and do a lot of the covering for those fullbacks when they're out of position. You know, it's it's very much a different different style of play these days, you know, like you say. How formations you, have changed.
0: Do you think that's then helped your program become more popular that that, that, that type of player now is is desired <laughs> is desired in all positions?
1: Well, the problem we've got here is Paul is that we're in an area uh, where you play against other teams and it's win at all costs. And the problem you have is like we try and play the right way. But many other teams will just boot it every time. Even though there's a non-heading rule, they use that to an advantage and they're just, you know, hit it as hard as they can up the field knowing you can't head it. And then, you know, our kids will try and play out from the back every time and and it's like a swarm of seven or six kids or whatever are swarming around two players. You know, so it's really hard to be successful at what we do. But we stick to our principles and we and I'm a firm believer of it when you get to the ages of 11, 12, 13, it really starts to turn and our kids are the best kids and those kids who just worried about winning never developed and it's more that the, probably from five through the end of the roster, those kids never develop and it's only the top you know top three, four, five whatever that will develop. So with us we try and develop every single kid and that's the, that's the fight we have with it. but yes, that is the modern day game and I think it's definitely good for us because we can uh, we can teach it, you know, people would see that, that if you watch it on TV, that's what's being shown to you at practice, you know, we're trying to copy those things.
0: So how many, how many coaches do you have working with you in the programme?
1: Uh, currently there's, uh, we have uh, four guys that are pretty much full time on with us, you know, then we have a group of another four or five that, you know, come in through the summer and do other programs uh, with us, <clears throat> but, you know, we have a core group of like four, maybe five guys that do pretty much everything right now. You know, obviously if we do other programs, we can bring in the other guys, but
0: yeah. Cause I remember um, when we were setting up this, you know, this chat you had mentioned over the messages that it was like one of the best things that, that you'd ever done. What was that That like, one thing that you could uh, put your finger on that you would say would has made it the most worthwhile?
1: I think, so it's the beliefs I had. The beliefs I had were always, it, I always believed in playing a certain way in the right way, but it was just Alistair Lonsdale soccer coaching. And, you know, as much as I can push whatever I am, it's just, it's always in, inevitably just to be me. And yeah. then suddenly <clears throat> to to be back involved, you know, and, and be involved with an organization that I believe in everything that they do. And it's the same philosophy that I have. And it's proven. It's it's in, you know, 45 different countries. It's used in <clears throat> all the professional clubs, use Curva in the Premier League. They use Curva as part of their academies. I remember, I think there was a famous one when uh, Chelsea uh, came into the Premier League, and I think Jose uh, got the uh, jump on. Alex Ferguson for the first couple of years he was there. And then I think Fergie employed one of the curva guys in to try and help improve their improve man United to get them back ahead again. Yeah. So, you know, it's a case of being involved with something that is professional, you know, they've got the credentials is behind them and, you know, and I believe in it.
0: So is that on, on like the, the business side of things, then has that been a big help with as far as marketing the program and, the, uh, I guess the, just the the resources that you have.
1: Yeah, the resor- resources are unreal. You know, the amount of, of stuff I can go on and look at is is awesome. You know, and always global sp- sponsored by Adidas, uh, Gatorade. You know, we have partnerships with all these huge organizations, so all that stuff is just huge. You know, the infrastructure in place behind is just great to be part of. You know, and they can't do enough for you. You know, they really are very good and helpful uh, people when it comes to that stuff.
0: Yeah, because I was like, even for my coaching today, I had, you know, still got people, um, you know, somebody may have had a, a roster spot open. They've joined the team, but they need they need a uniform for this weekend, and they're coming to me, or they're uh, little admin things like that, field Field changes, some tedious things that can get you bogged down and take you away from actually doing the actual coaching. You know, you get the things like, oh yeah, actually, I, um, I got a session starting now and got to, uh, you know, get in gear. Um, I suppose that you know, having that that support group and and really those mentors, and then the, and then access to uh, to be able to to speak to high level professionals have a presence at at conventions and things like that. That's must be um a big help as well for anyone that's you know, that is maybe just training by themselves that, you know, this is something that maybe they would they're lacking in their coach, you know, if they're wanting to take their coaching to the next level, it seems like that the route that you've taken has been a you know, been a huge success for you and and improve and the main point improving the players that you work with.
1: Yeah, and improving me as a coach as well. You know, the one thing I always loved about Noga was you'd you'd learn something new every year. You know, and Tim would always be you know as they'd say beg, borrow, borrow and steal off anything, anything you see good. And I, it was always about trying to raise <coughs> raise the levels of coaching. And, you know, and I went on a number of courses through. I went down the NSCA one uh, when down got to my premier diploma and did all that was those ones uh, and you know those courses were okay I like some of the stuff on there but I always felt like I learned more from staff training when I used to do that was with, with Tim every year because it was just late like years ahead and now I've got that same buzz back again here now because I get trained you know we're constantly trying to be taught new stuff they're coming out of the new diplomas and we have our own a diploma diploma one and two and you know they train coaches there's lots of online training tools and stuff like that so i'm always being tested you know and they put you through every year it gets we get new stuff given to us that we have to take
0: well that's good that you said they saying like give you like a buzz or you yeah. know it's uh it, it is kind of easy to get to get bogged down and just keep doing the same thing but and the fact that you've still got new ideas, and this is like, the first time I've probably spoken to you in maybe like seven, eight, yeah, eight years or so. But then you can still sense that like enthusiasm, you've still got that enthusiasm and that passion, and, and you're wanting to get better. And you're, um, you seem just as upbeat and as fresh as probably the first day you stepped off the boat onto the field (laughs) which is like a um you know a a really good thing to hear about well it's um
1: the reason i'm happy Paul, because i I actually love i love to see the kids in their final product and when you see them get older and when you see them to go to college and then you know even if it's just making their freshman team at high school you know sorry making their varsity team as a freshman at high school all those things, and you see all these kids develop, and suddenly, when they're older, you know, a ton of them have played. You know, have had a load that have gone through college now, and it's just so rewarding to see those kids. You know, regardless what level they get to, that you had an influence on them. You know, at some point.
0: Yeah, and it's also like the year twenty twenty that all coaches have had a have have had it rough. Um, as the fact that you still seem, you know. Energized and, and ready to go. What, what's going to be big in 2021 for Ali Lonsdale and Cova in, in your area?
1: Uh, I just, you know, I think hope we, hopefully we, we keep expanding and we keep just doing a good job. You know, it'd be, to be honest, it, just for me, it would just be nice to be back to normal again. <laughs> just be out there. And not have to worry about regulations wearing a mask and all that. It'd just be nice to to be back to how it all you know it was before.
0: Yeah yeah well, Ali, it's been great talking to you and great insight into the COVID method, method I can't even say it now, the methodology um, <laughs> and uh I look forward to uh to seeing your your videos on social media and staying in touch.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
0: No, thanks again, Paul. It's been a pleasure catching up. Thanks, Ali. I I hadn't talked to Ali for several years, so it was a pleasure to catch up with an old friend and colleague. You can tell that he has a lot of passion and desire to improve his players using the COVA methodology. It's also good to see an organisation put as much emphasis on coach development as it does player development. His enthusiasm to develop confident, creative and skillful players has been an overwhelming success for many of the clubs and schools he has worked with in the Connecticut region. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc or send an email Paul Kelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.